Welcome back, you guys, to the Hum and the Holler, the podcast that accompanies our 2021 calendar of small spells. This podcast is a little bit like that guided audio tour that you might get in a museum, uh, you know, where you put the headphones on and everything, they walk you through all the paintings. We're doing that for this year's calendar, only far less authoritative. (laughs) And much slower, just month by month by month. Um, it's the slowest guided audio tour to art ever. That's right. Uh, and we've said this before, but because not everything we make makes sense to us at the time, you'll get to hear us puzzle it all out together and discover what these spells mean for us during this podcast. And hopefully we're also leaving a ton of room for you guys to find your own meanings or um, follow your own paths. And we're just so glad that you're joining us for these conversations. We are Abacus Corvus. I am Karina, and I'm living on Lenny Lenape land, which is also known as Philadelphia. And I'm Joe, and I'm nestled in the hills of Madison County in western North Carolina on stolen Cherokee land. And this is our seventh episode. Uh, before we go on, just want to Uh, give our undying gratitude to our 30 Patreon supporters. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And in addition to this particular podcast, The Hum and the Holler, in its fullness, we also offer a podcast just called The Hum. It's on the same feed. It's like an extra special bonus episode. And that one takes a look at the astrology of each month from the new moon to the new moon. And it drops right before the new moon every single month. So this month is already out and available, but you can look for next month's on August 7th. So my friend and sister. Yes? I invite you and the rest of us to remember that as we are going through talking about each month's image, we're also spelling out a year-long riddle with every single one of these. So let's just take a moment and figure out where are we this month. Totally. Uh, We have just begun the second half of the year-long riddle, so we are at the very beginning of this second arc. And here's what we have so far. I'm just going to say it all. A hush holds the hum and the holler. Worlds within worlds hover here briefly. Gravity's lullaby. Sing the evening, turning the certainty. And as I said that, I I could notice, maybe you did too, that the first four months offered us two complete sentences, but that May and June and now July are each their own little phrases, like, um, like stepping stones guiding us over some uncertain landscape. I wish I had stepping stones for all of the uncertain landscapes. You know, like I'm, as you said that, I'm imagining stones that just kind of pop up and show you where yes, you should put they your just foot appear. next where you're, you're sort of That's standing exactly somewhere right. being like, oh, how do I get to where I'm going? Oh, yes, this convenient stone mm-hmm. that just popped up. That's what we hope our calendars mm-hmm. are for all of you. You know, <laughs> just mysterious st- stones that pop up. So yes, but you're right, Joe. Um, we are in a really different <laughs> rhythm now. May, June, and now July. Um, and with May and June, though, those were both a little bit more soothing. Like, we, I remember our podcasts were so much about dropping down and somatics and, and being in the mm-hmm. the body and the humming and the sleeping and the dream world. And mm-hmm. this one, um, this one's different. This one is less about slowing down. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's all about, um, I just keep thinking about how we've slowed down, we've soothed ourselves, we've slowed down, we've soothed <laughs> ourselves, and like that's not where it ends. Right. It doesn't end after June. That's the first half of it has gotten us to the point where we can slow down. And now the second half of the arc begins with uh, waking up and realizing that our perspective has completely shifted, that we're not where we're used to being yeah. in any way. We're out of our element. Tell me about so. this. Okay, let's, let's get to the image. <laughs> okay, sounds good. For this next part, feel free to have the image in front of you and look at it alongside our description of it, or you can close your eyes for story time. Karina, do you want to tell us what you see? Yes. So this is a really circular image. The painting itself happens almost fully within a circle. And there's a little bit of sort of splashing on the outside. But let me tell you what we're looking at. We are looking at a fish that is leaping out of the water from left to right. It's glittering, bluish, silvery fish with slightly pink fins. And as it is leaping from the left to the right into the sky, moving in the opposite direction from right to left, there is a water bird diving deep down and about to come up. So as you're looking at them together, they kind of make this complete circle where you can imagine the fish landing in the water right where the bird has just gone into it, and the bird coming up out of the water right where the fish has come up out of it. And there's this rhythmic quality that is disrupted a little bit by the splash of water that extends beyond the circle. But everything in the image is fairly harmonious. There's this elegant silver, gray, blue, teal kind of color scheme that's quite pale and calm. And the text goes around the circle and it says, turning the certainty. And when I look at this image, one of the very first references I think of that I don't think was in our minds when we drew it, but now that I'm seeing it, I just keep thinking of the Wheel of Fortune from uh, Pamela Coleman Smith's illustrations for the Rider Waite tarot deck, and that sense of the wheel as this image of uncertainty, this image of the wheel will spin and it will land where it lands. And there's even a little... Uh, like jackal devil creature kind of wrapped around the side of the bottom of that circle in that card that reminds me a little bit of our water bird here. Is this a loon? I can't remember what bird it is. I'm trying to remember. I know it's, (laughs) I don't think it's a loon. It's like a cormorant. Is it a cormorant? cormorant? It is a cormorant. And a salmon. Got a salmon in the sky. Yeah, cormorant and a salmon. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, And so before we close out, story time around this image, I also just want to remind you, uh, if you're looking at this, or if you're imagining it very beautifully in your mind, perhaps more beautifully than we made it, who knows? Impossible. Um, (laughs) That this is a painting that could only happen after photography, right? This is a snapshot of a moment in time, and it really represents what photos let us do, which is you know, fix this this moment in time when things are moving incredibly quickly. Those water droplets would be spraying out so briefly that if you didn't have a camera to capture them, you wouldn't be able to, to see this kind of specific, uh, you know, here it is, this is what it looks like when it's still. And so 
this image itself, part of the spell, has to do with this let's capture something that's very brief. It's a spell of, you know, there's this calm symmetry, subdued colors, beautiful sense of circularity, and there's also this sense of frenetic speed that has been uh, frozen frozen still for a mm-hmm. second. Mm. That's getting me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like... Uh, I'm I'm actually thinking real quick about how there's a there's like a upside downness, right? Or topsy turviness that's suggested by this image, but I'm noticing that the image itself is actually very calm, very clean, very contained. So the the image suggests a moment that is very strange, very unusual, and yet not necessarily messy. You know, like there's a very clean swipe that we're taking at this moment. Um, which also just saying reminds me a little bit of our process this year when we just finished making our calendar and it was like, whoa, it was a, it really was, it was an incredibly (laughs) smooth, incredibly supported, incredibly enjoyable, artistic, creative, collaborative process that was happening as like this current within total chaos, I can't even absolute logistical situational chaos day after day, like a new thing would come up and a new thing would come up and be like, holy (laughs) shit. Okay. We're going to just try to make art for six to eight hours today anyway. Yeah. Oof. I know. I am really grateful that we didn't have that kind of experience earlier in our collaboration (laughs) or I'm not sure there would have been a calendar. I I don't know if we would have kept going. I mean, we were being, I mean, I know we're getting a little bit into meaning here, but I don't mind that. Like there's a, there's this little bit of like a, a bridge where like something was sustaining us. Something was making it possible for us to have some sort of smooth experience within something that was very chaotic. And that might actually have a lot to do with this image. Ooh, yes. Mm. Well, let's go to the meaning. Okay. So this month's spell, the meaning of it, turning the certainty, is in a way kind of a shout out to that ancient saying, this too shall pass, right? That's another angle of the Wheel of Fortune card is just that it's all just going. Um, And it sounds like kind of a simple thing just to acknowledge that, that time is passing and that everything is being changed over time. But in fact, people really struggle with this fact of our lives, and and by people I want to say me, I really struggle with this. <laughs> I mean, this was one of my favorite spells to draw and, and to create. Seeing this image come together was really fun for me. And yet living into the month of this time has been so hard. Mm. Um, and it's this tricky thing because on the one hand, I deeply believe in the importance of staying open to the change and the uncertainty of the world as it arises, mm-hmm. but staying open to it and being committed to that as an ethical practice <laughs> doesn't mean that I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that I welcome it as like, Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to mm. be the most fun thing ever. Well, it's um, not, I mean, it's not. And, and I just have to say as an astrologer, 
I think many of us who, when we first start studying astrology, there's an anxiety that, that's a piece of it. There's this anxiety about the future, this anxiety about the uncertainty of it all. And one of my critiques of astrology is when um, people get stuck in that place of anxiety and control with mm-hmm. it and use astrology to try to overdetermine a world that cannot be so neatly summed up or mm-hmm. predicted. Well, and oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm just thinking about our different. Uh, different fields of study, astrology versus mm-hmm. therapy or psychoanalysis and how um, that, I, I love astrology. I use it as a tool. I love that you, yet you use it, that you can answer my anxiety and my curiosity in all of these ways, <laughs> you know? Um, but I'm also aware that, that if you, if you stay there, if you stay in that place of trying to be very predictive or very certain around it, you know, like that, those are all qualities that I'm, that I'm attuned to, you know, that therapists are attuned to when they're working with someone is like, how, what is it that, you know, what is it that is so hard about just saying I'm scared or, Mm. or I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's all of this work that we get into trying to look at the outside world and map it out so that we have a sense of what's going on and it's all okay. And there's actually usually something very rich happening inside of us in that moment. That's very hard to sit with and very, a very, very hard Mm. to sit with alone. Yeah. And that, that fear response is so, ordinary on a certain level that's fundamental and yet yeah and you and I can talk about fear all day long and sound really calm about it (laughs) and really authoritative and like we're professionals and we work with this and we studied it and we've like healed from it but then when either one of us is feeling fear we're right back in our own amygdalas we're right back in that sense of panic and terror that arises when the world uh surprises us in ways that um, remind us that anything, anything can happen. (laughs) It's incredibly, yeah, it's incredibly disruptive actually. Like there are, um, I like to imagine sometimes like big basements full of unconscious mechanisms in our, in our psyche, (laughs) you know, that are just busy, 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 busy all the time. And one of the things that they're busy doing is making sure that we are tuning out how transient everything is and how uncertain Mm. everything is. Because, I mean, there's like a structural nature to identity, to our family system, to our social systems. I mean, we're building these structures together and, and those structures are threatened by this transient nature. You know, like if we were to, that's like the whole thing with the ego, like wanting to believe that you really exist, that you're really something that will last as opposed to something mm-hmm. that kind of is like more like a, a wave breaking on the ocean. Thank you, the good place for that particular right. image. Um, <laughs> but anyway, there's like when when circumstances actually interrupt that underground unconscious process that's like, um, you know, whatever happens tomorrow will be something based off of what's happening today or what's happening yesterday. Like this is something that I can predict when something interrupts that good or bad, it actually throws a wrench in all of these mechanisms and can be incredibly disorienting. Yeah, exactly. 
as I'm saying this, I'm also thinking about how that, that mechanism that will help give us a sense of kind of consensus reality, you know, that like yesterday turns into today, turns into tomorrow, and we don't have to think about it. We can assume that um, all the people and things that we relied on yesterday will be there today, will be there tomorrow. Um, there's actually kind of a shadow side of that in our psyches that, you know, can be referenced with like repetition compulsion is sort of like a, a buzzword in the, in the therapy field where we actually will recreate instances from our past. Like that, like we talk about how we don't have control over things and we certainly don't have conscious control. And yet there might actually be some very powerful unconscious control over how we're experiencing things, what we're experiencing. There are really uh, fascinating implicit ways that we communicate to other people and to ourselves that consistently choreograph these very familiar things. It's like, if you were to look at your journal from like 10, 15, 20 years ago, it's probably not that different than where it would be right now. You know, like some circumstances are different, but those core things are, are probably pretty familiar. Um, and Joe, what's fascinating about that is that it's, it's kind of a way of saying that change is the scariest thing for us, scarier exactly. than trauma. You know, if you grow up in a chaotic, traumatic childhood, it's pretty likely that you're going to seek out chaotic and traumatic relationships later in life, unless you do some deep healing around that, because of how much scarier it is to try to experience something that you haven't yet experienced. Exactly. That the That's familiar exactly is right. still safer, even when it's dangerous. That's exactly right. Um and yet, you know, I know from experience, like people who know me well know that July is an anniversary for me of a pretty, um, uh, just bizarre, I mean, kind of near death experience, but even just saying that kind of gets an image in people's heads that I think is a little misleading. So it was a, just an incredibly bizarre, completely unprecedented, definitely scary, but it was an interruption to exactly what we're talking about. Just a very vivid, very dramatic interruption to this idea that like, um, things are going to carry on normally, that time is going to carry on normally, that I, my life is going to carry on normally. And that event did a lot of things for, for me, both in the short term and in the long term. But one of the things that it did was, um, make a kind of change very possible that I think is actually hard to access without a deep interruption. Um, all of a sudden I was, I was aware in a very different way about my life, about the mechanisms that would assume that something like that would not happen. Now I'm actually very aware that things like that can happen, do happen. I almost base, you know, Karina, you were saying I don't enjoy it, even though this is sort of the core of my ethic that I'm open to these things. And and I don't know that I enjoy it, but it's the, what we're talking about this month is with me very intimately every day. And I don't think it was before this, this event happened to me, you know? So there's a sense that sometimes this turning of the certainty, sometimes these moments where you're all of a sudden a fish out of water or a, a bird in the water, right? Like when you're out of your element, it can actually shake up some of these ruts. It can shake up some of the ways in which we um, need things to be the same and, and provide an incredible opening 
for change, for the change that we might actually want to have, you know, it's pretty powerful. Which brings us to the other side of this spell. So far, we've been talking about what it feels like in our nervous systems, in our emotional world to encounter unexpected change, whether it's good or bad, and how to work with this openness even when we're in a state of fear. And when we pan back and just think about a larger sort of cultural collective context, I want to name that calls for change, calls specifically for turning the world upside down, which is an image that we see in, in referenced in this, um, have been, this phrase has been with us for so many centuries in so many different cultures. Mm. And it's really dear to my heart. And specifically, one of the instances that I want to name right now is a song called The World Turned Upside Down that was written by Leon Roselson and popularized by Billy Bragg. And honestly, it makes me cry every single time I hear it. My partner sang it to me on a camping trip was the first time I heard it. And I was driving and started crying. <laughs> and then, you know, we were both just like, oh, we're falling in love. It's moving. We're singing each other's songs. This is very sweet. But then every single time since then, I've also cried. <laughs> when I try to sing this song myself, I end up crying at some point. And so if you will allow me to nerd out just a little bit about this history lesson, this is a song that is about a British peasant movement called the Diggers, who in the 1640s, were protesting the fact that the government was suddenly snatching up all of this land that used to be free for everyone to use. It was called the commons. You could hunt there, you could fish there, you could grow some food there, you could hang out with your friends. It was just, it was a place that belonged to everybody, free to use. And in the 1640s, these were enclosed. They were privatized. They were, uh, you know, walls went up, people guarded them. And the line in the song that gets me each time is, the earth was made a common treasury for everyone to share. I said it just now without crying because I'm not singing it. But I have no idea why this specific line gets me so bad. But I think what it is, is how powerful it is for me to try to imagine this specific time and place when there was a group of people who were probably a lot like my own friends, who staked the claim against this entire system of wealthy people extracting resources, buying up land, calling it theirs, saying, I can own the land. I can own everybody's land. It's mine now, right? And just imagining the moment before something happened that is still happening, that has made our world worse, in my view. Mm. Imagine that moment before when resistance could have pushed it in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And in that song, the sense of the world turned upside down for them, is the world that we're currently living in, right? Mm -hmm. the, the peasants of the 1640s who had not yet experienced what is now status quo for us. And for us would be what they are experiencing, which mm -hmm. is a really different relationship to the land, to ownership, to each other, to having things in common. And in holding that image... I just I want to remind all of us that even, you know, the song comes from the history of Europe. And if you are studying decolonialism, we mostly hear about European settlers, European settler colonialism. We hear about the people in power who did the most harm. And 
I just want to hold a space of love for the people in every single culture, the worst culture you can imagine, right? The most oppressive, the most dehumanizing and genocidal. Uh, you know, I might just be talking about European settler colonialism, but, but you know, if you can even imagine something worse than that, um, holding a space of love for the people who lived in that culture who were resisting the whole time, mm-hmm. who were mm-hmm. leaning towards a different and better world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know if I can put this into words, but as you were talking about how that idea that like the world turned upside down for these people centuries ago is our world. And here we are wanting that world to get turned upside down. I mean, that just like really works with the image of this one, of of this month's spell to me in a way that I don't even know that I can put into language. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of in my own little reverie as I was listening to you. But um, the other thing that is there is this idea of, you know, post-pandemic or post-vaccination world of of getting back to normal and like get that fish back in the water and get that bird back in the sky because we got <laughs> to right. go to go back to work and start spending money and be tourists and do all the things and keep, you know, just keep this um, this terrible world cranking right? Like keep that same wheel cranking. And, um, you know, may this image also be this like snapshot moment that we try to tap into, that we try to extend, that we try to remember and breathe a space into ourselves where like this, the pandemic isn't over, like for Americans, sure, but especially not globally. And we are, we are actually, pandemic come or go, we are, we are calling for massive change. And the pandemic was one of the first experiences that our generation can even think of where of global change, global massive change. And there's momentum there, we hope. And it's scary, you know, like there's going to be such a desire to get back in the water and to get the bird back in the air. And just to remember that there may need to be moments where we choose to be a bird in the sky or a fish in the sky for a second or a bird in the water for a second or for longer than a second so that we can actually crank a different, a different culture, a different world out of our lives. Yeah. And that as we do that, we might be really uncomfortable. Really That's, that's uncomfortable. part of the deal. Mm-hmm. We might have to hold our breath a little bit and calm our nervous systems. Yeah. And talk to each other. Yeah, we get to talk to each other about it. So let's do some ritual. Let's do some ritual in this month of chaos and uncertainty. That sounds wonderful. We once more have two rituals for you. Last few months, we have completely agreed on what the ritual should be. So we only gave you one. (laughs) And now we are in incredible disagreement (laughs) about what the ritual should be. Now there's so much strife and conflict between our different rituals. No, 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 no. We just have different flavors again. Nope. And my ritual is about visualization. And this this is a tool that you can use... If you, like me, are facing big changes in your life right now, I'm moving. I'm in the middle of moving. That's what's going on with me. It is, it's just moving. It's big. And yet it's taken over my entire life in ways that I don't even know how to talk about. (laughs) It's a big change. I will will jump in. It's ultimately a good change. I need 
I need to jump in and say it's not just moving. I, I've known people who have just moved. You are going through um, a kind of elaborate, ongoing, like long-winded disruptive process as you move. So it's a little extra. It's a little saying. extra and it's and it's hitting me in a lot of my triggers also. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you, like me, are going through some shit right now, this is a visualization that is geared towards helping you feel aligned with the changes rather than like you're drowning in them. And so I want to start with waves and Perhaps you might want to look at the image and think of yourself as the diving bird in this moment, or just close your eyes. But essentially, I want you to be paying attention to a large body of water that has waves. And I say this, having grown up on Lake Michigan, we had some goddamn waves. But could be an ocean. And as you're watching the waves break from far away, it can look really beautiful and soothing. But then I want you to imagine yourself in the midst of the waves, like farther out than where you can stand on like a sandbank, you are just in the water. And as the waves are crashing around you, there might be this feeling of just chaos of every time I try to lift my head up, something else crashes down over me and I'm being pushed down and I don't know which way up is and I'm flailing and I'm doing all of the wrong things if I need to survive in this moment. And so coming from that moment of in the chaos, spluttering, just trying to keep your head above water, I want to bring you a little bit further out now. And here you're standing on the sandbank, right? So we started out looking at the waves from, you know, a convenient upstairs window peacefully. And then we found ourselves in the depths. And so now we're pulling back. You can stand, you can keep your head above water. And you're walking toward the waves. And as you walk toward them, you're tracking their rhythm so that you know when to duck under. You know that if you are at chin's height, if the water's up to your chin right now, and the next wave is going to take it over your head, you know exactly when that wave's going to come. And you can hold your breath and you can dive under it and feel it pass over your back and then stand up again and keep this rhythm up in a way that is aligned with the rhythms of the environment that you are in, whatever that environment might be for you right now. You can come back to this visualization in moments when you're feeling that time is getting unruly, you know, deadlines are too intense, or you need to make huge decisions way too quickly, or there's just not enough time to rest. Come back to this image and you might start to notice where are the rhythmic breaks in the intensity of this, where I can breathe, and then when do I need to duck under? So that's my ritual for you this month. That's beautiful. Um, mine is a meditation of sorts. It's I think if many rituals for me kind of boil down to the breath, I think going way, way in to, um, to a wave and a rhythm that is always with us. It's always inside of our experience. And this image reminds me a little bit of like, um, if I were to draw out breathing, you know, so that there's an inhale above water and an exhale below water or something like that, that, that 
there's a way to sit and breathe so that you can experience your breath as a, as a circle, less like up and down and more like round and round. So you can just try it real quick right now. And then if you like it, you can do it more and more at another time. So if you can sit, um, and just get comfortable, let your eyes kind of stare out a window or find something that they like to look at or close and very slowly bring your attention to your breath. And at first just notice the difference between an inhale and an exhale. They feel different in your body. An inhale is going to be pushing and making space. And the exhale, you're actually going to be kind of sinking and dropping down to gravity. And it can feel a little bit like inhale up, exhale down. But for the next round of breaths, go ahead and inhale. And then notice what happens when the inhale turns into the exhale. There's going to be a point where it just transitions. And then let your exhale go all the way down to the bottom. And then all of a sudden it becomes an inhale. And you breathe all the way in. And then there's this rounding out as you're all full and the inhale becomes an exhale again. And if you can just zone out on these transitions, it starts to make the whole experience of breathing a kind of circle and a kind of cycle instead of these polarities of inhale and exhale and this experience and that experience. You're really just cycling through and and just focusing on those very round transitions between your breaths. That's my ritual. I love that so much. Mm. I love any thought experiment that breaks down binaries and makes it a circle. Yes. That just feels so yes, good me to too. me. Yes, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> Also, that was really fun to do as you were saying it. Thank you. I felt the same way about yours. This is why we are not actually arguing about our different (laughs) rituals. (laughs) Uh, It was so interesting. Actually, real quick, Karina, when you were talking about it, I was like on that sandbar in like Michigan (laughs) that we used to swim out to. And like, oh, it was such a, so vivid. It was so vivid. I remember that. that. Joe, do you remember being teenagers and going, um, swimming in the lake during a lightning storm at night? Yes. Oh, yes. Why? Oh, we yes. thought we were immortal. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted all the big feelings. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the good stories. It's mm-hmm. still a good story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we have for right. you this month. And to wrap up, um, you can follow us on Instagram at Abacus Corvus, A-B-A-C-U-S-C-O-R-V-U-S. Uh, there are weekly sales most weeks and there's pictures of our process. You'll get to find out there when the pre-orders are available for our calendar. And if you want to check out our website, it's abacuscorvus.com. And we implore and encourage you to please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to it and tell your friends about it and just do all the things that you might do if you are excited about this the way that we're excited about it so that more other people can also be excited about it. Um, And if you want ad-free episodes, you can follow us on Patreon. So Joe, to close out this week. Yeah. 
I got so excited when you talked about inhaling and exhaling as part of a circle rather than a binary that I just wanted to ask you about a few more things and if they could be circles. Oh, good. Yes. Male, female. Binary? Circle. Um, light and dark. Oh, circle. Twilight. Come on, y'all. Um, fish and bird? Mm, circle. I mean, just look at the image that we just painted. 